0: Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter.
1: Morning everyone, coming to you from another sunny day here in Naples. I hope you're all well. Today I have a special guest, Robert Martinez, and we will be talking mainly about online teaching and qualifications. The show itself is recorded, so um, I'll be happy to to answer questions in the chat. Live
0: from <laughs> Naples, this is the morning break with Jay Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.
1: So, as I was uh, mentioning um, this this recording was um, this, the show this morning is pre recorded because Robert, my guest, um, unfortunately has to work at this time. So we're going to, um, I'm going to start and, and I hope you can all hear me if you're, if you are listening live, do send me a message in the chat to let me know that you can hear things because this is actually the first time I've done this, so I'm feeling a little bit anxious. Um, okay, so I will start the, um, the first part of the interview with Robert Martinez. Hello, Robert, good morning. Good How are morning.
2: you? <laughs> I'm okay, thank you.
1: How are things today in Spain?
2: Um, they're fine. It's cold, but uh, the forecast is, is sunny. So it's, it's been three, four days that it's been sunny. So it's really grateful for that. I know. We're in the north of Spain, so it tends to be kind of foggy and oh, and dark.
1: <laughs> Tell me a little bit about where you are at the moment.
2: Um I've been in San Sebastian Donostia, the in the Basque country in the north of Spain for the last uh four years actually. Time flies.
1: Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Um and you've had quite an incredible journey through for your teaching and, and working life. Could you just tell me a little bit about where you started? And sure. How you- ended up in Spain
2: (laughs) yeah oh my goodness I'm old
1: (laughs) so am I don't
2: worry (laughs) I started teaching English in Bogota in Colombia in 1994 and I was there for about two and a half years well two years and four months and uh then um I moved to I came I went to Italy um to the north of Italy because I have family there um and so I was there for about in Turin I was there for about eight years uh I met, met my partner there um it's, it's funny because we're running into our 25th anniversary next month
1: oh congratulations so, i think that's called
2: silver i think 25 25 years yeah i think so yeah, yeah 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 and so in Turin, after we were in Turin for about eight years in the meantime i also did um s- s- several stints in the uk for a total of two years uh then uh i went to egypt for with the British council my first job with the British council for about um i was supposed to be there a little bit longer but uh, i found it a little bit stressful so i was there just for uh two full summers so Mm -hmm. a total of about seven months um then went back to italy and then we were there um after italy then we came to spain to Mallorca, uh, and we were here for two years with international house and then bridge back to the british council in singapore that was a fantastic experience for two years mainly doing teacher training which is what i really really like wow uh, and then after that we went back to italy to the south this time because my partner is from the south so we were in sicily in catania for about seven years um and then we came to spain in 2018 uh we moved to the north of spain 2019 um i also worked in um canada for about six months and how do you do it (laughs) (laughs) romania in the meantime so it's it's been actually now that you think about it um it's been this is my 27th year and it's been quite it's been very interesting and i'm very very grateful to the universe for you know giving me the possibility to meet so many wonderful people and great teachers around the world
1: if you if you managed to if you could like have your your top 3 places to live what would they be
2: oh yes well the first one would be singapore Mm. I loved the context, uh, the experience that I had there, all the different things I was able to do. I think I grew a lot professionally there because of all the things I was I was able. I mean, I've always been a little bit of a geek and a nerd. So whenever the do, you want to do something, I'll do it, I'll do it. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that, that helped a lot with, you know, uh, giving me a variety of experience. Uh, so number one would be Singapore. I think number two, Italy, uh, Sicily, I think. Mm you know in it in italy they have an expression that it says uh, uh you know uh talking about america this is your america and and for me like the kind of the Amer the equivalent of the american dream for me was actually in sicily i was i was doing so many things so many doors opened up maybe because i was really well qualified and, and had such variety of experience that in Sicily at the time, there there wasn't someone that was able to do teacher training and examining and presenting and, you know, what? And also because whatever they said, oh, would you, would you like to do this? OK, I'll do it. Do you want to do that? <laughs> OK, I'll do it. <laughs> and so I think Sicily was would be definitely my my number two place. And my number one, uh, number third, number three. Ooh, that's a difficult one. So Singapore, Italy. I would say, actually, Colombia, I, where I first started, because that's where I realized this is what I want to do. Uh, it was very difficult because I was. Um,
1: you had I, quite an interesting job in Colombia, didn't you?
2: Yeah, because I had, I, you know, I was um, I started teaching. Uh, at the uh, Centro Colombo Americano, at the Cent- Centro Colombo Americano, and they had six thousand students every month. There were lessons from six in the morning, six to eight, eight to <laughs> ten, two hours a day, every day, five times a week. One level would be one month, and then they had thirteen to fourteen levels, um, exam preparation and everything. Kids on Saturdays, and I remember. Um, at the time, I hadn't, I didn't have the CELTA, but whenever they recruited, I remember we were, we were a really big group, of about thirty teachers, people who ha- happened to be in Bogota at the time. They did um, a one month course no certification nothing it was like an internal mm. course and then whoever they thought they were good it, enough for them they would offer them jobs and so i got a job with them and then they would pair you up with a more experienced teacher for a while and then they would assign classes and 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 it was really interesting because i was doing that and at the same time i was working as a as a sworn translator uh which was Two jobs that were almost like full time both of them and so so it was very intense uh but but the teaching part was you know it was realizing uh I went to bible school in the u s and in, in Florida, and I remember um teaching uh Spanish to some of the um missionaries that were there, and I remember thinking, oh this is I like this, I mean, but i didn't know I wanted to be a teacher, and then when I went to Colombia and started you know went through that course and started teaching i was like this is what i want to do with my life this is where i get the most joy Mm. uh from like being in the classroom with 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 students
1: brilliant (laughs) you speak quite a few languages can you tell me a little bit about (laughs) your languages
2: Uh, uh well i grew up with spanish and italian uh so um i guess that's spanish english italian uh but i've always liked languages so um on the go um i also learned uh brazilian portuguese i must say that now i'm more like a rusty b1 because um there are quite a few um portuguese speakers where i work and so i try to speak to them in portuguese to keep it up but i Mm -hmm. see i see spanish now that i mean i've been in a spanish-speaking country for four years i can see spanish competing for uh competing against portuguese or french because i'm actively using portuguese and french here um and so yes spanish english french portuguese uh, italian and sign language american sign language um i was an interpreter for the deaf when i was um a, a teenager growing up uh yeah wow. so that was very interesting
1: yeah that's quite um it's quite interesting that there is american sign language and then there's british english sign language um yeah,
2: they're quite they're absolutely they're completely different
1: it's extraordinary yeah, yeah. i can yeah. remember um having to kind of learn all that um the hard way but <laughs> yes yeah yeah super so interesting it is it is that that could be a whole nother radio show um now i noticed that you were um you're giving um a webinar in in catalan
2: No, in spanish
1: in spanish okay yeah i thought it equals. was in catalan i was like yeah.
2: what he yeah. speaks <laughs> yeah it's another no. language no <laughs> and it's going to be a first actually because um i've recently became an equals inspector and so because with lou mclaughlin hello lou if you're listening to us um she's the president of equals we were uh together in the north in Spain many many years ago when I was in Mallorca we were both directors of different IH schools and so we would meet monthly for the meetings uh and now that she's with equals she said oh you know we're we're thinking of um offering webinars not only in English but also in other languages would you be interested um and I was like okay well I've only done it in English because my working language is English and and I was like okay well let's give it a go <laughs> and so I'm going to be presenting, giving a webinar in Spanish, and also one in Italian later on in the year. Wow! So I'm a little bit nervous because is is I I'm a fluent speaker, but 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 English language teaching, the English language teaching world and profession has always been my working language has always been English. So yeah, um, it's it's going to be a little, it's going to be a nice experience, I'm sure.
1: Okay, and you're talking about something which um is. It sort of it's hit me this week Um, it didn't really hit me um, until this week because I've been teaching hybrid lessons with my university students since September and it's been Mm -hmm. really um, I mean it's extra work but I think Mm -hmm. because the students are adults and they are responsible for their learning they will connect they'll tell me that you know my microphone switched off or uh they can't hear a listening activity those kind of things um but i had my first less hybrid lesson with primary learners Mm. and that was really tough now i I noticed that you were giving a webinar on hybrid teaching and i wondered if you had any tips for me
2: yeah sure i mean um the you know i i like um technology uh and integrating into language teaching and because of the pandemic um teaching online and now towards the end of the pandemic hybrid where you or you're partly in you have some students in class and some students uh coming in online uh that the pandemic just made everything more present like people i think people have um now come to realize that online teaching and hybrid teaching are here to stay before it was more like some people to make you know like mm-hmm. oh well i'm going to do a course online or, or maybe i'm going to do some universities in the u.s um had already before the pandemic been offering hybrid in the sense that they would offer the content uh, at home or some or some of the content face to face and then some online mm-hmm. uh tips for teaching online for teaching hybrid classes i think technology the technology available is very important so for example in my context we have in the classrooms uh we have a zoom camera a wide angle camera with a professional microphone built in
3: mm-hmm.
2: um be, and that was uh, that's really really useful because that is powerful enough to pick up the sound in the classroom so that online students can hear
1: that's the thing i don't think yeah. um, a lot of schools that i I work with have access to that technology it's, yeah it's really and hard.
2: we learned it the hard way because at the be- very beginning or right before the pandemic we were you know I think I'm very lucky because the organization that I work for is an international house La is called international La Kunza International House um they were really Visionary, and we started saying, "Hey, look at what's happening in Italy." Because I kept an eye on Italy hmm. and what was happening, and I said, "We need to do something." And also, the director of education at the time said, "Yes, we need to get ready in case we are we go, we're, you know, we're locked up." And so we started experimenting with normal cameras and and microphones that you would have to have, you would have somewhere around the room with a long cable, but it was really awkward and those microphones were not good enough. Um, And so we discovered these uh, zoom cameras wide angle ones that would actually see the whoever was online would actually see and hear everyone in the classroom at this well which is what you wanted and what you need if you're doing a hybrid class you want people online to feel like they are in the classroom with you (laughs) and vice versa, you know, the the people in the classroom to be able to see and hear those that are online. Um, That's that's still happening here because of people being confined. Um, If a class or some people in the class are confined now, they know that they can continue to come to class online via Zoom. Mm -hmm. We've been using Zoom from the beginning yeah, because of all the different features that you have that makes it so easy. Um, because of my teacher training with other organizations, we've also, I have also used Google Meet and Adobe Connect and all other platforms. And I would say, thanks, but no thanks. I would only use them if I had to, but Zoom would be my preferred option.
1: I think a lot of, I mean, in terms of my, the institutions that I work for, for university, we've got G Suite. Mm -hmm. The package that we've got at university is great because I've got breakout rooms and all the... All the things – it is quite similar to to Zoom. Right. Um, But a lot of other schools have just normal Google Suite. And it doesn't offer all of those – you can't put them into breakout rooms. So they can't do pair work and they can't do group work. And Mm -hmm. it's –
2: yeah it's i tough. think google suite the google classroom i think they have just introduced uh breakout rooms i think that mm. i mean before you could create them but it was so diff so you had to create create individual series, ones yeah a yeah. Whole lot of
1: different mates and then get them to yeah. Oh, it like,
2: it yeah. was a nightmare, especially because it it was really stress is really stressful for us teachers because we want mm. to make sure that everyone is engaged, that everyone is participating, but on through two different media, I and know. that's that's just really stressful.
1: And also things like if you're playing and listening, you've got to remember to switch your microphone off because if not the the people online get this massive echo and 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 then then i always forget to switch it back on so i talk away and the students online can't hear me oh it's a
2: nightmare (laughs) yeah yeah so i would definitely say like tip number one is it if anyone is going to if an institution is going to be offering hybrid lessons a tip number one provide teachers with training is not just get onto a webcam and then do the same thing no they need some basic training and it's very very important Uh, number two get the right technology because otherwise it's going to be stressful for everyone people are going to get a really bad experience and that can backfire because an unhappy customer and a happy client student is going to be like oh well i'm just not gonna i'm not really getting very much out of that Mm. uh, even if it is temporary um so i think those would be my first two tips like definitely provide your teachers with support going running them through the basics getting them to practice things there are some uh, there are a few courses out there that are are useful uh especially for teachers who start working online whether it is fully live online Mm. or hybrid because it's going to stay we're going to continue and probably teach more and more online it's not going to go away
1: you have your you obviously your director of studies
2: that's right. Me. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that is your your full time job. But you but, also yeah. have um, other jobs where you train. Do you want to just tell me a little bit about some of the training that you do?
2: <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I work on CELTA courses uh, as well. Uh, but um, also with the consultants e with Nikki Hockley and Gavin Dutney. I've been working with them for since 2012, offering e-moderation courses fully online. Um uh the CERT ICT that is now Offered uh, for closed groups, uh, teaching live online lessons. Really, really good course as well. Um, and and we've been involved. I've been involved with with uh, we've been involved with lots of really interesting projects, like using WhatsApp to teach uh, to cover uh, to help teachers in Africa. Mm. Uh, we developed a, a project for the British Council. Very successful project. Um, so with them, I've also worked with International House uh, teacher training online uh, on the uh, IHCYL, the International House Certificate in Teaching Young Learners, also online, um, fully online or live in synchronous or asynchronous. So that means basically either live online, like we are talking right now, um, or when you do your own work and then you use four different forums to keep, um, you know, looking at things, discussing uh, topics and tasks and things.
1: What are the things um, that that motivate you most I mean you do so many different things (laughs) yeah what are the things that drive you
2: ah I really like um seeing how people like the thirst they have for knowledge and for helping their students, because it's the same kind of thirst that I think I feel in the classroom. And that for me it's really gratifying when you are on a course, for example, I've recently worked with uh, cohorts of teachers in, in Chile and um, in South America, and and it's, I don't know, it's, it's so nice when you see that all the activities and you're trying to share tips and you do tasks with them. And they're so grateful and they go like, oh, I could do that. Or maybe, no, I couldn't do that. But that would be nice if I did it in a different way. So I think it's sharing. I think mm-hmm. what drives me, the, 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 the possibility to be uh, with other people from different cultures, from different languages, from different contexts, and then seeing what they do and then learning from them. I think the first thing is is I get paid to learn from others <laughs> as well. So and I think that's, that's really good
1: it's um it's incredible it's kind of a win-win really isn't it yeah
2: yeah I mean yes you're sharing your expertise and you're sharing your knowledge and everything but but at the same time I always tell you know people that I'm on courses with that I'm there to learn with them right I'm I may be the tutor but I think that I'm the one who gets to learn as much on every single experience, because you get to see different perspectives, what other people are doing, and that helps you constantly revisit what you think, what your own teaching believes, what things that you do and you go like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. I'm going to try it with my own students. So it's like cross-pollination, I think.
1: incredible, Robert, incredible. Do you have a preference for a particular course? Is there the one that you really, really look forward to?
2: uh what do you mean That particular course in
1: terms of you doing celta doing online teaching um mm. what's your favorite
2: uh, that's a really difficult question because for example the i i really enjoyed uh tutoring on the teaching live online courses with the consultancy uh because they're super practical and i i really enjoy the interaction with the teachers and you, you and you can get teachers from all kinds of backgrounds. I've had teachers with with PhDs uh, and teachers that are just new. So it's just the variety. I think that's what that would be like probably my top for online. Mm. And then face to face. uh, I enjoyed CELTA a lot as well. Um, Online is fine. But I prefer the face to face. I prefer face so to face Celta, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I've I've done quite a few now since the pandemic hit online. Um, but I would I would say if I can choose, I prefer to stay in the classroom and, and do face to face celtas. Yeah. I think
1: you, you miss out on that kind of interaction in between lessons and you know, talking yeah. to your trainees over the break. I know I did one last year and, and that was one of the things we did have um, we had tutorials and workshops to kind of make up for the not being together, but they, they just liked to sit together and, mm. and, and be together. And so that we had to make provision for more of that. Mm. And I think when it, when it is a course like SELTA, it is stressful mm. and you do yes. need the support of your colleagues. We also learn so much about them because it's so intense. (laughs) Yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah. Yeah. We're doing here in, in, in my current context where all our professional development is online. Mm. Uh, but in people this year, we asked people this year, the, the beginning of the year, the survey, would you like to continue face-to-face or be, or or go back to, I'm um, sorry, continue online or uh, go back to face-to-face. But because of the pandemic, obviously distance, social distancing and everything. So uh, people said, well, probably face uh, online for the time being, because uh, it's more, comf- I mean, people don't have to feel so stressed about maybe being in enough room with different people, although we're all wearing masks and keeping a distance. Mm. Uh, and also they can do it from home. So in a sense it's like, oh, yes, but the online also has you know, uh, lots of advantages that you could be doing it at home rather than having to commute to a place to do That's it. That's
1: what I was saying, because you've said you've, you work for quite a big operation.
2: Yes, um, yes. How uh, would you
1: normally accommodate face-to-face training? Just a well, little, to, for people who are listening perhaps. It, Yes. Robert, so, tell, me, tell us about wait, about your teachers first. <laughs>
2: so um, here La Lacunza La IH International House here in San Sebastian, there are 13 schools, 13 venues, and we have around 120 teachers. So before the pandemic, we would have Friday mornings. We would run sessions in two big rooms. Each room could accommodate up to 20 people, 15, 20 people uh no sorry more people because that was before the social distancing it, it could they could accommodate between 25 and 30 people each room mm. uh because now with after when the pandemic uh hit then with only those rooms now with the new regulations we can only accommodate maximum 15 uh people in there uh so before it would be we would have uh two parallel rooms uh two rooms running parallel uh sessions uh four sessions on a friday from 9 30 to 10 30 and 10 30 to 11 30. uh and so i would have you could Cover, you could accommodate up to 60 people actually, 15 on e- in each room. And you would have, we we used to call them mini conferences, our mini conferences um, every other Friday. Um, and then that's how all the teachers from the difference, because the thing is that we're not only in San Sebastian, we also have a center in Beasan, which is 45 minutes away on a mm-hmm. train from here. We have one in Tolosa which is half an hour away, Renteria, which is about 50, 20 minutes away, um, Irun, another 20, 25 minutes away so for them online now it, they they're more likely to attend because a there's no number mm. uh, requirement and b they can do it from home
1: and so they, they miss out on the commute yeah uh, yeah um <laughs> it's just extraordinary a lot of coordination um yeah but yeah the teaching online for some of these things and although you kind of miss the, uh, i i tend to miss that you yeah, know the face to face the coffee break and, and catching up with people up. yeah yeah that's true that's a bit like when i used to come down and see you in sicily the cakes
2: yeah, yeah the cakes oh my goodness pasticcini were so good that that i miss
1: okay um robert we're just going to take a break to listen to the news and um be right back
2: Okey-doke.
0: Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full, free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today.
1: Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the program for you
0: This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
4: According to the Education Authority in Northern Ireland, 18 out of 38 post-primary schools have fewer than 500 pupils, and this is unsustainable. The Education Authority has placed the cost of teaching a pupil at 30 to 80% higher for a relatively small school compared to a larger school. The EA's draft plan for the next five years also highlights a need for 2,000 additional places for pupils in special schools, many of which have a shortage of places. The Strategic Plan for 2022 to 2027 states While aiming to support sustainable rural provision, there are still too many small, unsustainable schools. There may be some local circumstances where provision will be necessary, but the determination of this will be subject to consultation, assessment and rationale for provision. In Nottinghamshire, there is mounting concern over a rise in children missing lessons as statistics show a 111% increase in school refusers between autumn 2020 and summer 2021. 125 pupils refused to attend school compared to 59 the previous year and there were also 157 pupils missing as a result of mental health issues a rise of 63%. Councillor Jim Creamer said, these are very high percentage numbers. It is definitely going in the wrong direction. What has gone wrong and what are we doing to address these figures? It does concern me about mental health because of COVID. There are going to be serious issues in more formative years. The National Deaf Children's Society has said that face masks have made lip reading impossible and cover up facial expressions. They are urging parents of deaf children across England to email the Education Secretary Nadeem Sahawi to raise the issue. The NDCS want the government to provide clear face coverings in schools and colleges with deaf pupils. The government is set to review the use of face masks in secondary schools and colleges in England on January the 26th. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn.
0: This is 2-Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
3: Hello, this week Steve has lost his voice. So I am going to take a look at visualizing in the classroom. Before I begin, this is not about which product is best and comparing brands and features. This is about what you need to consider to make the best choice for your school or department. Visualizing in the classroom, in my opinion, is getting something that would be difficult to see into a format that a whole class can see more easily. This may be a live moving image or a still image. Also, it may be projected onto a large screen or cast out to multiple devices. The whole idea is it makes something small more accessible. The list of devices that can do this is huge, but they fall, roughly, into three categories. Visualizers, document cams and webcams. What is the difference? In sport the definition of fitness is the ability to cope with the environment around you. When you are purchasing a device, this is what you need to consider. Don't just buy one because someone else uses it and says it's amazing. Their environment may be totally different to yours. The factors that are going to affect your purchase are cost, size, software, portability, features, and what you already have in terms of audio-visual equipment. Lighting is sometimes overlooked and depending on what you are capturing can make a huge difference. Starting with the most expensive option the visualizer. Generally, classroom visualizers come with a large footprint meaning they take up a lot of desk space. They tend to have a high-quality downward-facing camera, lighting built-in top-down and even sometimes a backlit bed. They tend to allow control from the unit so there will be little or no need to move away from the device to operate. This may be useful if a lot of time is spent using the device or furniture obstructs movement. A lot of visualizers are also standalone, meaning they work independently of your computer however, additional software can be installed to further augment the experience. Document cameras tend to be less expensive, have a smaller footprint and be more portable compared to visualizers however, they usually have less features and need a computer to use them. Although they are plug-and-play there is normally additional software available that will provide the ability to capture still and moving images, zoom in and out like a visualizer but normally control is via the computer it is attached to. Generally, they do not feature built-in lighting but tend to have a built-in microphone. The cheapest option, the webcam is plug and play and may have additional software. However, the previous devices are designed for projecting something desk based to an audience. The webcam is designed to work in a different way, but can be more versatile, especially if you move rooms frequently. You need a computer to plug it into. Some come with flexible arms and a base you can plug it into, but like the document cam, they are restricted by the length of the USB cable. Now we have an idea of what the devices are capable of. The next question is what do you already have? Do you have an interactive board? If so, imaging a pupil's book with a cheaper webcam and using pinch zoom and annotation may do the job. Or in a bright setting, an HD webcam may do the trick. In the past, the rule was the higher the price, the better quality of image. Today, that isn't necessarily so. My conclusion is before you spend out, do your research and consider the fitness of the device for your environment and your value for money. And please talk to your school technical support before you purchase anything. Sometimes devices are not compatible with school networks. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods' screen reader, and that was 2 Minute Tech.
0: 2 Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio.
1: okay and welcome back everyone i'm here with robert martinez Hello, and, everyone. <laughs> and we are we're talking about teaching training and all things elt um robert you are an inspector for um a number of organizations do you want to just tell us a little bit about what you do when you
2: inspect sure, sure. um i first uh Became an inspector for International House in 2015, um, International House World Organization. Um, For those of you who don't know about International House, um, there are around 160 schools around the world. And so the idea is that when you become an affiliate, uh, of International House World Organization, then you um, have to meet a set of standards to ensure that you're offering your English language provision, but not only because obviously International House, you can offer any languages. Um, obviously, most schools offer English, but they also offer the local language wherever they are, plus a series of other languages. They offer teacher training. Um, it's basically for language schools in the private sector uh and so as an inspector you make basically you um go around uh when it is face to face and lately the inspections have had to be online
1: Mm. Uh,
2: and then you just make sure that as a as an inspector you are looking at the school what they do you talk to the teachers you talk to the management you check Um, All the documents that they have regarding local legislation, uh, contracts, timetabling, all the academic and managerial side of a school, of a language school, to ensure that they're meeting the International House promises, what we call the International House promises. And it's a really interesting job because a lot of people imagine inspections as being inspectors as being people who are very strict and rigid and 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 ruthless well i think and, yeah
1: in, in the uk it's kind of perceived as that there's the yeah uh, the inspectors and they're kind of everyone's quite afraid of them and yeah, yeah. you know schools lose their status i, I saw the other day a school sort of dropped in status and it must be quite devastating for the teachers who yeah I mean, they invest a lot in in their schools, and um, suddenly right. lose their status. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah i mean it's possible it's possible of course that uh, that a school loses the the their status with international house as well but what i'm trying to say because obviously there has to be some sort of um uh you know if there are standards and they're not met then you cannot be part of the network but i think what i really enjoy about inspecting with international house and and with equals is that the focus is on yes we're going to check that you're meeting the standards but where you're not meeting them, we're gonna have to tell you exactly what, where the problem is, what you need to do, to be able to meet it, and then at the same time provide su- support and expertise to help you be a good provider of, of, of you know language services. Mm. And I think that that's what I enjoyed the most because the we I I like to tell in uh, schools whenever I'm appointed as an as an inspector the the point of the inspecting of the uh uh inspection as a, is that is to to make it a developmental exercise um, wow. you know very rarely you would have a you would find a, an institution that is really bad to the point that you say no <laughs> you can you know <laughs> time
1: you, to close the doors <laughs> yes
2: exactly so right. it's, it's really useful there, a, a, it, it, I find it as a, uh, you know, is something that gives me pro- professionally a lot more than probably I can give the school. You know, you're always trying to help them and, and check the standards and everything. And people always usually have lots of questions. Uh, but I think it's, it's a win-win, as you said before in the show, mm. I think. And is pretty much the same with equals. Uh, it's just that equals is more. I mean, it's, it's two different uh, organizations, but yep. they have the same aim, really, to support th- uh, e- uh, language institutions offering uh, high-quality language services.
1: Exactly, and I think that's that is really important. I mean, we we all know about the sort of they they call them cowboy outfits, yeah. <laughs> the cowboy schools, yeah. um, and I think it it's time as um as I think Alex said last week you know it is a profession mm. and these these kind of um inspections and and develop developmental inspections mm. help to build that profession
2: and that's right yes
1: it's it's really um it's really important it's not yeah. just, you know the native speaker in in the classroom there's a, so much more to it
2: yeah but absolutely people <laughs> yeah do
1: don't get and you're so lucky i mean where do you get to travel to
2: (laughs) well uh before the pandemic uh different places i have been to bulgaria romania um malta mainly in europe uh germany uh it was really interesting i mean being an inspector is interesting because when you speak several different languages then you're kind of like uh, i was asked to do an inspection in germany for a a school that was offering i don't speak german Mm. but the school was offering mainly spanish for foreigners so it was it was interesting i was like oh okay well the inspection was in english but then I, like 50% of it was also in Spanish because I had to speak to to, to the Spanish speakers, uh, the Spanish teachers, um, and then talk about their professional development, everything that happens to them in that school. So it, it's really interesting that you get to, to go to places even if you don't necessarily speak the language in the place, although it is, um, you know, inspectors usually have to state what lang- extra languages they speak because it is an advantage if you do speak the mm-hmm. language in, in the place. Uh, that are uh, spoken locally.
1: Lucky you, lucky you. Um, you, you also. Um, I mean, how, how did you find sort of the, the moving from face to face to online inspections? How does, how did that
2: work? Uh, actually, um, I think it's the online inspections, in a sense i mean i i like the tra- the fact that you can travel when you do them face to face because you you know you know it's, it's really nice it's like a great opportunity to travel and see other places but the one the online inspections that i've done so far i think they have been a lot uh, str- less stress involved with it especially in in, in these uncertain times mm. uh with flights and cancellations and hotels and tests and things uh and so um i've done a couple of uh, online inspections uh with in South America, for schools in South America. So obviously the time zone being, you know, six, seven hours apart is great because you can combine it with other things that I'm doing. And at the same time, you don't have to worry about the traveling and the tests. And so I, I thought it was a lot less stressful. It takes a little bit of extra coordination because obviously an inspection usually lasts two, can be one or two or three days or more, depending on how big the school is. Um, And so you had, we had to organize several meetings with several departments from the school uh, online, and also to be given an online tour, a virtual tour of the school to be able to check the premises, um, be able to check that everything is, because you still want to see, pay attention to the branding, is the branding being done correctly? Mm -hmm. Um, What information do they have? So someone with a camera just giving you a tour of the school and then saying, stop, can you zoom in here? <laughs> you show me that, and what is that? So it was really interesting because it's a completely different perspective. You're like looking through a window, peeking, uh, you know, through a window from outside. Um, but it was doable, and it was, it was, it was. You still check all the documents and all the different things and programs and talk to the same people. It's just that you do it through, you do it online. So you do it through Zoom. Yeah,
1: I mean, you, you um, are a, a big fan of of learning technologies. You've always been. Um, the streaks ahead of us. Um, Um, Tell us a little bit about your your online learning beliefs.
2: Right. Um, I think that, you know, learning is – the same whether you do it face to face or online what does that mean for me as a teacher you still need to be empathetic you still need to put yourself in the shoes of your students you still need to grade your language you, you probably with an with, in an online environment we need to articulate more <laughs> because you know we have depending on how many students you have some some um, universities have like 60 or more students i've had teachers saying you know i had 200 students in my online classes and so i can't what can i do to monitor everyone and the answer is you can't you have to organize yourself so that you focus on 10 every <laughs> lesson yeah. because it's impossible you wouldn't be able to do it even on face to face
1: well i've been i mean i recently I and mean, we're on holiday at the moment thank goodness but you know <laughs> i i often have 20 in the classroom and about 60 Online and wow. that's kind of hard to manage.
2: It is. It is absolutely, yeah. especially because um when planning lessons, I, I you know, the, the, I always tell teachers that um when you move online, you still need to plan your lessons. I've been teaching for twenty. This is my twenty seventh year. I still plan my lessons, and some people say, "Well, yeah, as long well as you know, you grab the book and you know what you're doing." No, nice. you need to plan probably um i would say as much as you do for a face to face lesson considering that they only have that little window to see you mm. and so to make sure that they're engaged you need to ensure that you have uh, activities that are going to allow them to speak not just to you in the in the main room so mm. that hopefully you have breakout room activities yes. you need to plan those breakout rooms activity breakout room activities very carefully because in face-to-face, you can walk from one pair or group to the other in a matter of seconds. Online, you need to build in the extra time to yeah. come into and out of a breakout room, uh, the time that they need to actually say something real in the length of a lesson. So most lessons are maybe an hour, You can and you have 10 or 20 students, you can do... Two or three breakout room activities that are that are that have a good communicative um, focus simply because they require more time. Mm. Uh, so it's really important. I think I would say you know like my top tips for people moving from face to face to online or hybrid is a planning, b understanding that you're planning for a different medium, mm. but that we still need to um, acknowledge the fact that we need the same skills. We need to You know care for the other those online we need to make sure that we find a way of of checking that everyone is engaged that everyone has something to do that the tasks are clear they have a clear outcome it's not just okay i'm going to put you in breakout rooms and i'm going to give you two minutes to talk about food no there has to be something specific if how many people are there in the breakout room who's going to be is there going to be a speaker who's going to be doing what because otherwise you're going to get if you don't define those roles you're always going to get free riders, or people who (laughs) maybe turn off their camera their 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 camera and their microphone and they go and they go away and do something else and they seem to be there but they're not there
1: absolutely yeah I think some of my some of my face-to-face students get a bit cross with the online students um, because you can tell, you can see if they're active or not, and I can see them sort of saying, "I think that person's asleep." But yeah. then, you know, as a teacher, I say, "Well, you know, everybody's got a different story, mm. and and that student might be having a bad day. We can't we can't make assumptions about mm. about that." Um, and it's pointless to waste your time getting across with them. Focus on you, focus on your own learning. Yeah. Um, it's a minefield, but I, yeah, I find that even just like setting up the task, I, when I, I organise the groups, I kind of make sure they've got the task, I check it. I ask the students, for example, if it's a discussion activity, mm. you know, can someone please take a screenshot of the of the questions? And can you then share your desktop in the breakout room? Um, and in the meantime, the, the ones in the classroom are talking, and it's just it gets so noisy. Yeah. Um, it it is. It, it's, it's a bit like teaching a double lesson, really.
2: Absolutely. I remember, uh, you know, when we were doing more hybrid lessons, because right now, at the end of last year, we asked it, our teachers, and all of them said we we don't want to continue to doing uh hybrid lessons mm-hmm. and let is strictly necessary because it was just too stressful because i remember having to teach uh with the online, with the headphones have one on and the other one off <laughs> with the one on you would listen to those online as you said before remember to turn off the microphone so that they don't get the echo, and also to turn off the the speakers in the classroom, <laughs> so that they wouldn't be blasted by those online. Yeah. And then with the the year where the um, the year where the the headphones were not was not were was not on, then listening to those in the classroom, and it does take initially. I, I remember feeling a little bit flustered, really, mm-hmm. even though I have quite a few years of experience. Uh, and <laughs> after a while, you get used to it, but but it's stressful because you have to listen with, t- all, we have two ears and we have to listen to two different people, to different groups, at the same time, <laughs> and try to keep track of what they're saying to be able to give them some useful feedback. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And feedback is another um, another important part of of the online hybrid process. Do you have like top tools for for feedback?
2: Well I'm a fan of using Google Docs Mm. simply because uh, those online have access to it and those in the classroom. um, I've had different classrooms with different uh, settings in the sense that for example If they're adults, and I know that I'm going to use Google Docs in class to brainstorm ideas and have everything in one single place, then I would ask them to bring a tablet um, Mm. to the classroom, uh, one or two, depending on the the number. Our classrooms are maximum 12 people, and the average is like nine. Mm. And then in the online, it's been so far, it's been usually unless the whole class is confined, then we have uh at least two two to six eight students maximum online as as well as as well and so um always group we're trying to use google docs and and that they can see we have iwbs Mm -hmm. um promethean most of them and we also have ebeams i mean the whole point is that those in the classroom can see those online and also the screen of everyone can see the same screen, yeah. which is really important because I know that some schools uh, don't have that technology and it just makes things a lot more more difficult for the teacher yeah. to handle the two. So I would say um, the G Suite, so Google's, Google uh, Docs and Google Slides, I try to, I, I Jamboard as jam well, board, yeah. I use it a lot for, for collaborative work uh, where they have to either be online, and then Zoomers and Rumors separate <laughs> or together.
1: Yeah, or even a Padlet, I found.
2: Yeah, I find that, yes. um,
1: that if it's like a short little activity, just like writing a note or um, maybe brainstorming stuff, Padlets work it's really also, nicely.
2: Yes, that's true, yes, yes, can, yes. Absolutely.
1: You can have it up and, and you can see sort of in real time what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but. That's that's a whole nother that's a whole session. Now you're doing a masters, another masters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you never cease to amaze me. You're always learning. It's um it's just extraordinary. Can you tell me what you're doing at the moment?
2: Sure. Um, I'm doing the Nile uh, MA in professional development for language education and uh i love it um i I, you can choose there have lots of modules yeah um it's also really really affordable now that the uk is out of the eu all extra European, all whoever is not british they have they are applied international student fees Mm. which means that for someone like me and most i imagine most people like you know who work full-time an MA in the UK is basically impossible because they are in the range of £10,000 per year and above. Um, yeah. The one that I wanted to do on language assessment was £16,000. And uh, it's uh, for me, it's, I'm, I can't afford it. So mm-hmm. I was kind of like, oh, what's going to happen now? And the Nile MA is super, super affordable. Um, and you can choose models, uh, different modules. Mm-hmm. I chose language assessment, which I did already because of my involvement with,
1: with um, Cambridge, yep. with Cambridge
2: <laughs> Speak Speaking Examining uh, and with IELTS. And I loved it. It was really practical. It was the group was really nice. The tutor was Fantastic, really, really good. And now that's done with. And now I'm doing the second and last module um, in uh, teacher development because of my involvement with teacher training. Yep. And I'm in the I've already completed the module, and now um, I'm in the uh, assignment writing part of it. Um, again, really nice platform. They they have they're using a new platform uh, uh, language. Uh, oh, what's it called? Uh, LD learning to something it's, it's similar to Moodle but not exactly not is not Moodle and it's yep. really good the trainer fantastic trainer um colleagues really really active um uh, definitely recommend it if anyone wants to do it so finish the i need to finish the assignments by uh the end of may three mm-hmm. assignments and then it would be the dissertation stage of the uh, of the MA
1: okay have you got any ideas for that
2: Yes, I have two ideas, <laughs> and I, I will need to, to make a decision at some stage because one is related to language assessment. Um, thinking about the um, because I'm an examiner and was an examiner trainer for um, for a year with IDP Europe, I'm, I was thinking of uh, exploring the uh, how IELTS speaking examiners handle the speaking exam Mm -hmm. because talking to lots of them um, they would say that they found it very very stressful Mm -hmm. because it as opposed to Cambridge that it is two examiners uh, the same for one exam with IELTS is one so you have to do absolutely everything so the my idea was I would like to explore if I decide to do that I would like to explore uh, coping strategies for IELTS speaking examiners uh, handling the speaking exam if it is not that one it would be on teacher training and because I'm a CELTA tutor and assessor I'm the criteria through the assessments and as a trainer myself, I've seen that different trainers see the criteria in different ways, which is totally fine. However, I would like to explore the weighting of the criteria for the CELTA course, like Mm -hmm. to try and explore and see what what trainers and assessors and chief assessors um, understand as how the criteria should be weighted uh, yeah. which criteria are more important which are less important i think we
1: have all those we have a, a kind of internal yeah um, mod, i mean you, you moderate you said so that this i mean you know, if they can't get language um and they can't get the instructions then they're probably not going to be very good in the class but if they haven't set up the classroom um Properly, they can work on that. So there's, That's there right. is, I mean, we, you do kind of have an internal. Um, oh, it sounds it sounds fascinating. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah like an intern, internal. Um,
1: what is it? Like measurement a,
2: system, like yeah. a compass. You know. Okay. Well, this is the criteria. If they can do that, then probably they're going to be they're meeting that criteria either partially or fully. Mm. Uh, but absolutely, yes, 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 yes. The thing is, what I would like to explore is whether people are within the same range because across the years and I'm sure you as a a CELTA trainer as well you've come across trainers that where you go like wait a minute I understand that but it it seems like we're coming from different views from different points um, of view different perspectives so it would be interesting to see how the CELTA trainer community see those criteria
1: well we'll have to have a chat when you've finished and you can tell us more on on your about your findings it sounds um it sounds incredible so you've got You've got you're doing another masters. How many masters is that now, <laughs> Robert? Cause...
2: Well, this is the full, the third one. This was going to be the third one. The previous one was on um, digital technologies for language teaching mm. with the University of Nottingham, and I would I cannot recommend it enough. Especially now, it was is very relevant because yeah. of, of technology. Um, it was fantastic. It was um, I managed to get a, a scholarship because otherwise I wouldn't have. I mean, half a scholarship, fifty percent scholarship. Mm. Um, the Western uh westerns western uh, scholarship recipient there were when i applied i didn't, i said i don't have the money <laughs> i <I'm, laughs> at least not all of it but i do want to do it and they said well dr cecilia goria she's absolutely amazing she's fantastic she said well apply and then there are some uh scholarships and bursaries that you may apply you you know you can apply but you need to be officially admitted onto the program to be able to apply and so i did that and i thanks to the universe i managed to um you know, the, I already had a very clear idea before I applied, so I think that helped yeah. because they really want to know if you deserve the scholarship or not. Um, and so I, I did that, and I it, it's, it's, it was a fantastic program. I would recommend it to anyone. Um, I don't, now it's going to be a little bit more expensive because I was with the UK out of of the EU.
1: Yeah. Where exactly. We are international students.
2: Right? Exactly. And then before that one, I did one with Sheffield Hallam University in Teasel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also loved it. It was very, very practical. Um, I had worked with them as an EAP tutor in the UK for the pre-sessionals. Uh, and that's why I... I they told me, I asked them, I heard someone, one of my colleagues talking about the MA and I was like oh tell me a little bit more, <laughs> this is years ago. Uh, and uh, then I, I went and did it also at a distance like online, so all my education uh, has been on, on online basically. Um, I also did three other postgraduate diplomas um, and so they have all been online. That's
1: extraordinary, you are just extraordinary. So what are your plans for the future?
2: Hmm, plans for the future. Well, I'm I'm really enjoying my work with Lacunes International House uh and um also with uh being a team leader here again with Cambridge uh because I really enjoy that. So plans. I would like to um do a doctorate in education, not a PhD, because there's a big a little bit of a difference. The PhD usually takes longer mm. and is more academic, while doctorates um, are more practical. They're called professional. they're the same level, level mm-hmm. eight in the um, uh, national qualifications framework for the UK. But and they're the same length, but they're more practical in nature. And so, mm-hmm. if I have the energy and the money, then I would like to do that <laughs> uh, as the next step. Um, and and then uh continue to to learn, I think that's what keeps keeps that people like you and me going. you know the yeah. fact that we learn something every day that we all we being in the classroom, I think you've seeing people learn is what really recharges our batteries and keeps us motivated yeah. uh so I think that's definitely continuing with with um, English language teaching with training with language assessment. And then seeing, you know, where where the world is going, considering yeah. how things are.
1: It's been quite an interesting couple of years. <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you just a couple of questions to finish. Robert, if you could have a superpower, what would it be?
2: Mm, that's a great question. I would, uh, it would be the power of sharing empathy with people, because mm. I think that the world is beautiful in many ways, but it's so wrong in so many other ways. And I think it is because of the lack of empathy. Yeah. And I think that if I could share empathy with other people, I think it would be a better place. If people were able to say, okay, before you you explode, before you have you are angry, before you attack anyone or say something bad that can hurt someone, Put yourself in their shoes, because mm. you never know the whole picture. Yeah, and and you know maybe this is because I'm getting older, and when you get older, you get wiser. <laughs> but um, I think that you know we need more empathy. Yep. That doesn't mean I am I'm already fully empathetic. No, I'm I'm learning to be more empathetic, and I think that would be my superpower.
1: Good. Um. Yeah, I think that I thought that the world would become a better place after after covid-19. Yeah. It doesn't look like that. We've just no. this, I don't know what's going to happen here in Italy but pa Berlusconi might be back. Oh my god. Back. I heard that oh, yes, like, like, we like, watch no. Italian news and he's like
2: what? Can't <laughs> <Crazy>. believe it. <laughs> oh my goodness.
1: Okay. Um if you were a type of food what would you be?
2: Oh. <laughs> Uh-huh. i would be um, I'm a vegetarian mm-hmm. I would be uh one of the salads that I make they they are very unusual because I like to put lots of different things in it, and some people are like, mm, you can mix this with that <laughs> you put pineapple uh, in it <laughs> well i put uh, i could, i put um apples raisins nuts uh, i i mix things and and I know that some people don't like mixing that, but for me salads can be have to be exciting and so if i could be a, a food i would be like a super exotic salad, <laughs> salad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh robert it's been just so lovely to talk to you and, you, and thank i you hope so much. to um i hope to catch up with you again soon Continue with all the brilliant work that you do um thank you you're just you amazing do. yep,
2: thank you, thank you so much. It's been a great pleasure talking to you catching up and and I hope that uh you know I really like your your show and it's it's a brilliant uh Sharing, Thanks. I mean, we get to learn so much, you know, as the focus yeah. is on learning, sharing from what other people are going through, which is useful because sometimes we we may feel a little bit isolated, especially in these times. Well,
1: we're not traveling for conferences anymore. So yeah, we don't exactly. really get to catch up with
2: people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you so much.
1: You take care and okay. I will
2: speak to you soon. You bye. too. Bye. Bye bye.